my name is Matt, I'm on the teaching uh, staff here at St. Augustine's, it's good to be with you. Uh, at the start of the pandemic in 2020, something very interesting happened. Uh, Bible sales across the world began to soar. Physical copies were flying off the shelves, some publishers say that uh, about 50 to 60 percent um, experienced 50 to 60% increases in their sales of the Bible. And also, uh, digital copies were being downloaded like never before as well. The Bible app in, in the early month of 2020 was downloaded two million times. In the midst of a, of a crisis where people were unsure and they were worried, they reached for something they thought that would give them direction and wisdom and hope. They reached for the Bible. They reached for something that they thought would help them tap into a transcendent world and to hear from God. Pastors like me were foaming at the mouth with excitement. <laughs> this is our time to shine. People will be rushing back to the pews. I was already researching $800 sneakers, preparing for <laughs> Instagram fame. But genuinely, people were turning to the Bible, and they were about to have a whole lot more time to read it. Uh, but then something else happened. A few months later, some research came out showing that uh, Bible engagement was down dramatically. People were engaging even less than they were with the Bible pre-pandemic. We reviewed our calculations, we double-checked our math, and we ran the numbers again and again, said John Plack, lead researcher of the American Bible Society. Um, he wrote, what we discovered was startling, disheartening, and disruptive. Millions less people were reading the Bible. And it's although it's, it's, it's like people had reached for the Bible because they knew that somehow God speaks through this uh, strange and ancient and um, unusual book. But once they actually had it in their hands, that they didn't know what to do with it. And that's what we're going to talk about this morning, is how, um, how we actually hear God through Scripture. Uh, but first, we need to clear through some weeds, because often the reason that we don't hear from God, or even mishear God, how God speaks through Scripture, is because we come to it expecting the wrong things. We come to it expecting to hear from God in the wrong ways. We can suffer the spiritual equivalent of the Paris syndrome. Paris syndrome is, according to Wikipedia, the extreme sense of extreme disappointment exhibited by some individuals when visiting Paris who feel that the city was not what they had expected. <laughs> the syndromes are, are characterized by a number of psychiatric symptoms, such as acute delusional states, hallucinations, aggression, dizziness, sweating and even vomiting. And while I don't imagine people to have such a strong reaction to the Bible not meeting the expectations, it can be uh, frustrating coming to, um, coming to the book of the Bible with the expectations of hearing from God and feeling as though God is uh, somehow inaccessible through the other side of this wall of printed text that sits in front of us. And so this morning, uh, let's take a look at some of the ways that we can um, often view the Bible that can become less than conducive for hearing God's voice. Some of you will um, have heard me before uh, mention briefly that sometimes we can read the Bible as though it's a magic eight ball. Do, does anyone remember these from when they were younger? Um, the idea is that you, uh, you ask it a, a question, um, so you could ask a question like, should I use my uh, government cost of living payment to buy a PlayStation 5? You shake it around. 
It's not likely, this one's broken, so we won't, we won't worry about that. Um, but often we, we treat scripture this way. We treat it um, as though it's going to be um, a magic book that's gonna give us the answers to all our questions. Should I quit my job and do something else? Where's my life going? Should I move city? Should I marry my girlfriend? Should I stop supporting the blues? Yes, you should always do that. <laughs> Uh, when I was an intermediate, I had some very well-intended leaders take my uh, church ministry program. And this is how they taught me to read scripture. They taught me the magic April way. They told us to take the Bible and to run our fingers over the edge of the pages. And when we felt God leading us to open the Bible up, and then to run our fingers over the words of the pages, and then when we felt God's prompting uh, to, uh, to stop our finger, and then right in front of us would be a word from God, and I was very excited to try out this new method of um, biblical interpretation. So uh, when I got home, um, that's what I did. I gave it a go, and I was very, um, I was very surprised that God was trying to talk to me about the correct way to sacrifice a goat. Um, <laughs> very surprising. Uh, we sometimes hope that God will speak to us in a way that doesn't expect us to engage what's on the pages at all. That we will hear from God through the Bible without actually having read the Bible. Now, there's a number of problems with this approach, um, but in thinking about how we hear God through Scripture, it undermines the truth that God has spoken uh, through Scripture for us, but not directly to us. God has spoken through Scripture for us, but not directly to us. I live in a complex of about uh, 70 uh, apartments, uh, and at the front of our complex is a wall of letterboxes. Everyone's letterboxes are out the front. And, um, and so, um, living in Pamio, every so often someone comes along with a crowbar and uh, breaks into every letterbox and steals all the mail. Now, obviously this is very annoying, but also part of me thinks it'd be kind of interesting to read someone else's mail. We could read about their financial situation, their bank statements, uh, hopefully some gossip, some letters, probably nab some vouchers for uh, up to 50% off your next three HelloFresh boxes. It would be a good time. But when we open scripture and we read uh, something like the New Testament letters, we are reading someone else's mail. Paul didn't write them to, to me or to you. He wrote them to the church in Philippi. He wrote them to the church in Ephesus. He wrote them to Corinth. He wrote to Timothy. But even though they aren't to us, they're still for us, they're in our holy scriptures. God inspired Paul when writing them, and so when we read them, we hear from God as well. And so what's going on in scripture is that God has spoken not to us, but for us. And so to hear what God is communicating, we need to make an attempt to understand the context of what's going on, what God might have been saying to people. While God gives us direction, he does it, so, he does it in the context um, it is found in. Now, what I'm not trying to say is that God doesn't highlight things to us or that he doesn't even put a Bible verse in our minds sometimes. But if we come to Scripture expecting God to magically answer our questions without truly engaging with what's being said, we are going to be very disappointed. Uh, another problem we encounter when we come to Scripture is we sometimes expect God to um, speak to us in a similar way that a, like a reference book or a textbook would. 
that when you have a problem with something you want guidance with, you go on Google and you look up a, a relevant or vaguely related Bible verse and you will find your answer. That God spe speaks to us through um, a pre-written reference book of answers to specific questions that we can refer to when in need. And often I, I do find that people come to Scripture hoping to hear from God in very simple, instructive ways that directly apply to their situations in their life and then feel uh, disappointed uh, and discouraged when they can't find Scriptures that speak directly to their situation. By definition, uh, a reference book like this is a book intended to be consulted for information on specific matters rather than read from beginning to end. But the Bible doesn't speak to every specific matter in life, and nor was it designed to do that. It tells a grand story that does need to be read from start to end. Peter Enns puts it well. He says this, If we come to the Bible expecting something like a spiritual owner's manual, complete with a handy index, a step-by-step -step, um, field guide to, to the life of faith, an absolutely sure answer book, to unlock the mystery of God and the meaning of life, then conflict and stress follow right behind, and like a leech, find a place in your heart and soul to latch on to. It'd be fun at parties, eh? Oh, Peter. Um, God doesn't want us to consult Scripture simply when we need something from, our, from it, but to immerse ourselves in its worlds and its overarching story. I was taught an acronym when I was younger. I had a very theologically strange childhood by the sounds of it. Um, that was uh, Bible, B-I-B-L-E, Basic Instructions Before Leaving Earth. Has anyone heard that one before? Yeah, okay. Uh, there's a number of problems with this. Um, uh, so dozens, dozens of books can be found with this title. Um, very imaginative, us Christians. Uh, there's even a rap song with 600,000 hits on YouTube called Basic Instructions Before Leaving Earth because nothing is more gangster than Christian acronyms. Uh, the problem is the Bible isn't basic. It's complicated. It's a complicated library of books with, uh, written in distinct times in different languages with distinct cultures and often uh, presents very strange and unusual scenarios. There's things in the Bible that even the best scholars know nothing about. There's a verse that says, the leech has two daughters. What does that mean? <laughs> no one knows. No one knows what it means. What a weird thing to say. Telling people the Bible is basic is like telling them that the Anglican church is a well-oiled machine or, to or telling someone that their fedora looks good. It just doesn't line up with reality. The Bible isn't an instruction manual. It's not a book of propositions, and it's not a book of answers. While it's uh, instructive, it's not instructions. We don't hear, through, um, hear God through Scripture by getting quick-fix answers to our questions, but by wrestling with the collision of God and humanity on its pages and locating ourselves in the grand story it tells. And finally, to put the um, Bible acronym to bed, it's not even a book about leaving Earth. It's a book about quite the opposite, uh, heaven coming to earth. Glenn Poor uh, sums it up well. He says this, Is the Bible useful? Immensely. But not in a handbook kind of way. I suppose God could have given us such a thing, but the implications would be troubling. Do we really want our relationship with God and our understanding of the Christ-following life to be reduced to a handbook? Looking up answers in a how-to manual? Have you ever actually read a how-to manual? 
God has so much more in mind for us as significant, thinking, fully human, divine image-bearing creatures. We can be thankful he doesn't think so little of us to give us merely a handbook. Finally, often when we hear scripture, uh, we, uh, we expect to hear from God directly through the words and forget that uh, the Bible is actually a book that is mediated through other human beings. The way that God chose to give us our holy book is not by floating it down from heaven, but by inspiring, uh, inspiring his people to speak for him. One of the beautiful things about the Christian God is the way he partners with humanity in the world, and scripture is no different. God both inspires and adopts the words of his people. I love how Hebrew scholar Al Grove puts it. He says, God lets his children tell the story. God lets his children tell the story. God doesn't turn, his, uh, turn the Bible authors into mere puppets. Um, Excuse me while I violate this bird. Um, its, authors are not, its authors are not... I can't do it anymore, I'm going to put it down. Its authors are not ventriloquist puppets, lifeless dolls with no voice of their own other than what the puppet master creates. Oh my gosh, I'm sorry. <laughs> Instead, God keeps the voice of the person writing. Their personalities, their stories, their quirks, their emotions, they all spill out onto the pages of Scripture, and that's exactly how God intended it to be. The great thing about Christian Scriptures is that God reveals who he is, not just by dictating words to someone on the page, bypassing their humanity and lobotomizing the human's writing, but that God revealed himself in and through the human experience that God inspired people to communicate his story. God lets his children tell the story. Have you ever wondered why there are four Gospels and not just one? Having Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John all tell uh, the story of Jesus seems like a relatively inefficient way of going about things. But I would suggest that um, this is done for their perspectives and personalities. Each author gives a different portrait and perspective from four different divinely inspired human authors. Matthew's gospel is more structured and locates Jesus in his uh, Jewish um, context more clearly. Mark's gospel is a little more uh, dramatic and fast-paced, using the word immediately an annoying amount of times. Luke's gospel is more thematic and emphasizes things such as the spirit, the poor, and the role of women in the kingdom of God. John's gospel is more philosophical and theological, reflecting not just on the life of Jesus, but its cosmic consequences. Each gospel reflects the author, their interests, their style, their focus. Each author's voice is heard, but God breathes life into it because God lets his children tell the story. But if these, uh, all these approaches are, um, to Scripture kind of inhibit us from hearing from God, how can we say that God speaks to us through Scripture? Perhaps the most helpful way to think about how God speaks to us through Scripture is by thinking about the Bible as glasses. And as we put them on, we see reality painted more clearly. Um, oh gosh, unless they're your wives, and then you feel nauseous. Um, 
that as we wrestle with the contents of the book on its own terms, we somehow come away having a more clear picture of who God is and his action in the world. The great theologian John Calvin, um, as we see a photo of up there, um, spoke of the spectacles of Scripture. He said this, Just as old or bleary men and those with weak vision, if you thrust before them a most beautiful volume, even if they recognize it to be some sort of writing, yet, yet can scarcely construe two words, but with the aid of spectacles will begin to read distinctly. So Scripture, gathering up the otherwise confused knowledge of God in our minds, having dispersed our dullness, clearly shows us the true God. An important thing about glasses is, um, just <laughs> hot tip for you, is they don't work just by looking at them, they work by looking through them. And this is what we need. We need to see the world through the inspired word of God. That as we read scripture, we will have our false vision realigned. Theologian uh, Kevin Van, Van Hooser summarizes this idea brilliantly. He says this. Despite advances in optical technologies, our culture is suffering from an insidious disease, glaucoma of the spirit. This worldly pressure distorts our spiritual vision. We see through tunnels perceiving only wealth, health, fame, and so forth. In stark contrast, Christian faith is about perceiving what lies beyond the empirical, past what we observe with our physical eyes. More than sight, we need hindsight, insight, and foresight, the ability to understand the past, present, and future respectively. And we get these by turning our eyes on the biblical Jesus. And as with scripture, as we engage in its poetry and parables and its songs and stories, its history and laws, we are having our vision of God, ourselves, and the world put into right focus, especially in contrast to our cultural vision of faith. Our culture will tell us that our worth is up to us, but when we put the glasses on, we see that worth is a gift from God. Our culture says that the material is all there is, but when we put the glasses on, we see that something else is going on. Our culture tells us that the world is heading for destruction, but when we put the glasses on, we see that God holds the hope of the world securely. Our culture tells us that the perfect human is found within, but when we put the glasses on, we see that Jesus is the perfect human. When we, re when we read scripture, our faulty vision of the world starts to be corrected. Uh, but please, don't do this out of religious obligation. God doesn't want that. Read the Bible to see the world as it is. Read it to see the story that leads to true humanity being revealed in God himself. Read it to enter the world to meet God. As Newt mentioned last week, hearing God is all about friendship. And so is hearing God through Scripture. Rowan Williams writes that Christians read the Bible not as a document from history, but as a world into which they enter so that God may meet them there. As we uh, put on the glasses, we do so to enter a world in which we can enter God. And um, so here's the big, the big secret to hearing God through the Bible, and it's probably what you're already expecting me to say. Uh, it's putting the glasses on. You have to put the glasses on. You've actually got to engage with the Bible, to hear God through the Bible, however you can. Listen to the Bible in audio format. Read it in community, uh, formational communities, read scripture every, every time they get together. Meditate on it, do Lectio Divina. Study it, research it, watch YouTube videos on it, eat it. 
take it as it is and enter into the world and expect to meet God there. Expect to have your reality shifted. Expect that as we familiarize ourselves with the world of the Bible, God will start showing us how things actually are and heal us from our culture's distorted spiritual vision. I make a lot of excuses as to why I don't read scripture. Uh, I've got a one-year-old baby at home, I've got two jobs, I've got a thesis to write, ironically a theological thesis to write. Um, But here's how achievable it really is to put on the spectacles of scripture. If you read the Bible 30 minutes a day, you could read the New Testament in 40 days. You could read the Old Testament in 120 days or the whole Bible in 160 days. If 30 minutes seems too long, then just halve that, and you've still read the Bible in under a year. You could read the Gospels in three months if you just spent seven minutes reading it a day. If you don't want to create new time, you can leverage uh, existing time. The average Aucklander spends uh, just under five hours a week commuting to work. Woohoo! So chances are you could smash it out on the way to work. Or you could replace something you're already doing Over 50% of people already read for 30 minutes a day. Over 50% of people watch uh, TV or Netflix for well over 30 minutes a day. We live in a time where people feel rushed and busy, and my worry is that we'll get so caught up in this lifestyle that we don't take time to put on the glasses of Scripture and to see the world through God's eyes. Do we want to see God, the world, and ourselves more clearly? Do we want to meet, uh, the, meet God in this word that he has given us? Let's all put the spectacles of scripture on together. Let's pray. God, we are so grateful that you have spoken, that we're not left in this world uh, helpless, um, trying to fumble our way through life, but that you have um, You've you've not only revealed yourself in the person of Christ, but you've given us scriptures that tell the story of that person and point us towards him, what it means to follow him, and what it means to have a life empowered for him. God, we um, often can feel rushed and busy and like we don't have times for... um, for spiritual practices, but God, um, may we see Scripture as a time of realignment, of seeing clearly, but most importantly, may we see engaging with Scripture a time of meeting you, meeting with our friend, being transformed by you, and having our minds renewed by your Spirit. pray this in your name. Amen.